Hey everybody, welcome to our Saudi Arabian Grand Prix review episode of The Undercut. I am one of your co-hosts, Jason Lazarus. I'm Martin Cooper. And I'm Nick Watterson. Wow, guys, we had an amazing race this weekend. It was great, wasn't it? Martin, what did you think? I did. I actually, I, I didn't think it was as good as Bahrain. I, I have to say, I, I enjoyed Bahrain more. But no, there was there's plenty to talk about, plenty of incidents, um, and yeah, another good race for the for the new cars. Uh, lots of overtaking, lots of action. Yeah, I had a, I had a blast watching this race. But of course, you know, with everything going on, uh, there was some controversy surrounding the race this time. There was a missile strike that was done close by, um, and you know, there are lots of questions on whether they should have the race here in general, especially because of the missile strike and if it was safe or if it wasn't. I mean, Nick, what'd you, what did you think? Like It was a one-hour driver's meeting that turned into a four-hour driver's meeting on Friday after it happened, deciding whether they were going to go ahead or not. When you, know, when you read the tweets and you read kind of things after the race, and it was a case of once the drivers were presented with all of the facts from the bosses and the negative repercussions and what could happen if they didn't race it kind of felt like they were told that they have to race otherwise eh, you know there was it, th- yeah <laughs> there was some talk of like they wouldn't be able to leave the country or something yeah. right or like yeah, it would just that was, seems, wasn't um, safe to leave or I, I don't know i don't know i think it's going to be interesting what happens this time next year when it's I don't know which whether it's going to be first, second, third race of the season next season, where whether Australia is going to move to the front, whatever. But there will come a time when everything's about to go to Saudi Arabia and questions are going to be asked. Well, is it going to be the same as it was last year? If we go, are we going to come under the same pressure that we did last year? If something does happen, do we want to open ourselves up to that? We'll see how it goes. Yeah. It would have been it would have been a massive statement if they had walked away. Um, I thought it was po- possible that they might, but I think uh, not unsurprising that they did choose to race. But uh, like you said, we'll wait and see for next year. Yeah, and once once the decision was made that it was going to go ahead, that was it. You, no one spoke about it again. No one, you know, the drivers just were dialed in. They were doing what they needed to do, and then when race day came along, they went out there and they raced, and it had a really good race. Would it have? Obviously, it would have changed things if they hadn't raced, but we'd have all not got to witness the race that did. Yeah, happen. we got to see an amazing race, and um, qualifying was was pretty crazy this week. Um, Martin, you talked about potential bumper cars coming into coming into this race, and it started in qualifying. Yeah, t- a tight track, um, a fast tight track where any kind of mistake could, uh, severely punished, and I think some of the cars basically. Off the curbs, look, they got unbalanced uh, quite quickly, and you've got no time to react, and you're, you're in the wall on the other side uh, almost immediately. Um, that was what happened to Latifi, well, basically both days, I think. Um, and then, obviously, with Mick's accident, I think that also happened to an F2 car, almost exactly the same thing in, in, in an earlier support race. I mean, a crazy impact. Um, Mick very aware of what was going on though, or just lightning fast reactions. If you look at the cockpit shot, he brings yeah. his hands up off the wheel quickly to stop him getting any damage from that. The car did its job, side pods, pieces flying everywhere, energy being dissipated and a very lucky boy, I guess. Um, but, um, could have been worse, but probably made, And of course I think they definitely made the right call, obviously to hold him out. 
and then you you think about you know his father and his what his mum thinks about him racing and all those kinds of things that might go through your head. But uh, good that he was okay in the end. And then they they didn't have a car for the for the next race. And then the other crazy thing that we haven't seen since what was it Brazil twenty seventeen. Lewis didn't make it out of Q1. I mean, who who saw that coming? He was actually legitimately on pace that he didn't get out of Q1. You could see he was pumping in the purple, so in, in the green sectors, rather. So he was setting personal right. bests throughout those last two, two flying laps, and he just couldn't get it done. It was, uh, it was surprising, but it's only surprising in the, in the sense that it's Lewis. You look at what George was doing in the same car, and you, you see what he was doing all of last season. He's taking a car that was not competitive and putting it in Q3. And it's going to be really interesting to see what he does over the course of the rest of the season because he's always been really, really good, really, really fast in qualifying. But in the Williams, he just didn't have the race pace in the car. Now, he is in a Mercedes against Lewis Hamilton. And what we saw in Saudi Arabia was he took a car that was miles off the pace. He qualified it in fifth. George did himself a lot of favors this weekend in terms of um, his standing within. The yeah. Team. And I, th- I heard uh, Toto talking after qualifying. He was saying that they were trying some just like new setup for Lewis. And it just it just did not it did not work for him in, in qualifying at all. Um, but it, it seemed to it seemed to work out from the ra- in the race. I mean, we'll we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, but it, it seemed that the setup worked worked a little better for him in the race. Um, so during qualifying, we had Checo who got his his first ever pole position of his career, which seems crazy to me. He's had one or two wins, but he had his first his first ever pole position, and he was he was flying around that around the track, and he was he was doing really well against Max all all weekend. He was really toe to toe with him, and and he really looks like he's he's comfortable in the car, doesn't he, Martin? Uh, absolutely. I mean, co- being comfortable in the car was key to having a fast lap around this track. It's so tight. Um, you have to trust that the car is going to react and go where you want it to go. Uh, so you can cut those corners, make those apexes, and uh, get on the power. Um, so, yeah, looking great in the car. Uh, I think all those guys at the top, the, the top four guys, are basically uh, feeling at one with their machine to, to some degree. To put it on pole, I think he sort of answered a lot of doubters a little bit. Um, and it was great to see it. I think first ever Mexican pole sitter, and it took him the longest ever in terms of a pole, 215 yeah, something like that. starts before he got a pole position. And I think he's just well-liked through the paddock. And, um, you know, good for him. Really good for him. So we so Checo got pole, and then Martin, your Ferrari's got 2-3 for the race. How are you feeling after that? Oh, I mean... Uh, disappointed that they that one of them wasn't on pole but um you know still looking so solid love to see it um you know more of that please you know all season long um i think it and it seems like say? they have the car to do it all season and the drivers yeah yeah they seem very cool and calm we'll get to that in the race uh when we talk about the race i guess uh again their temperaments and and how they handle the different situations but um yeah just going out there and doing their doing their jobs, um, not letting the pre-race shenanigans get to them, and uh, two and three on the grid. Great. 
continue the conversation on pine-sports.com. That's P-I-N-E-sports.com and the Pine Sports Discord, which you can find linked on the website. And join us in a -a one-of-a-kind fantasy Formula One contest at coopsf1.com. That's C-O-O-P-S-F-number-one.com, where you can put your theories to the test. All right, so we go we get to we get to race day and then not even the race starting yet and Yuki Sonoda blows out his engine on the lap to the grid, not even the formation lap, the the original lap around and Red Bull loses another car just like they did last week. I mean, there's got to be there's got to be something going on. Yeah, ironically he was the only one that finished last last time right. out, right? Finally, we get to the race and it had a crazy start to it. All four of the leaders, both the Red Bulls and the Ferraris, had great starts and all pretty much got to the first turn right next to each other. All four, pretty much. I mean, it, it was totally insane. Yeah, it was. And I, this is where I feel sorry for Carlos. He was the third guy trying to get to the inside of a corner. Yeah. And that doesn't really work when this, the guy who's in the fourth spot, who's taking the outside and going and trying to go around everyone. So. Obviously, Carlos needed to break a lot earlier than Max, and that lost him the place down into fourth. I think it was inevitable that he would have moved backwards from from his starting spot. Charles coming across to try and take the inside from uh, from Checo into the first corner condemned Carlos to always be dropping back to fourth. It was unfortunate, but you know that that's only the first corner, and they both the Ferrari and the Red Bull had the pace to go at it and pull away from everyone behind them anyway. So it was going to be a four-horse race from that point. Yeah, impressive that the four of them could, you know, fight with each other and still pull away from the midfield. It shows the pace that those two teams have over everybody else. That Usually when you get team uh, cars fighting with each other, they end up losing ground, um, but they, they still had the pace to pull away. I mean, there were there was a lot of movement on that first lap too. I mean, so what was what did Lewis start in fifteenth? I think, and he moved up a couple on the first lap. And Lando and Kevin Magnuson had some crazy overlapping in the first lap, and Russell had some overlapping in the first lap. Like it, it's it was crazy. Everybody's following each other and just getting all these passes, and it's just crazy to watch. And so early in the race, and they seem to all be you know respecting each other's space for the most part during the race. Yeah, and that's the big difference that you really see in Formula 1 versus back in Formula 2 and into Formula 3. They know how to get through the first two or three corners, where in some of the lower formula, they, there's, they, there's a lot more contact. They know that they've got a long race ahead of them, and they've got to get to the end. Because to finish first, as Murray Walker used to say, first you have to finish. Mm. Exactly, exactly. I mean, the first time we saw... When I thought we were going to see some some contact was uh, the Alpines going at it. Um, what round about lap five or six? Uh, Alonso coming up the inside on the start finish straight inside of Ocon, and he pushed him right up to the wall. Dust flying everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And then so a few laps later, uh, we hear we hear Charles on on the radio saying that he wants to pit pit for an undercut he yells it on the radio and then his team yells confirm pit for undercut and their team comes out with all the tires so what does Checo's team do they come out and bring their tires out and they go into the pit and then Charles just backs out I mean 
That's that's Charles at his best, right, Martin? Uh, I mean, th- apparently they had it all. They had it planned all along. Not that they were definitely going to stay out, but they were going to do the opposite of what Perez was going to do. And it's their right to do that when you're behind. Um, I think pitting at the same time as Perez, you're not going to overtake him. Um, so either either pit try and put in some fast laps and so Perez ends up behind you or do the reverse. And it's always fun when that happens. Um, you get the graphics, they show you what the chance of overtake is as the guy starts pounding in the laps. But of course, all of that went away almost immediately when Latifi binned it and just Perez's race chances just disappeared o- over the hill almost immediately. Yeah, it was, I mean, first and foremost... It's great that we at the undercut got a lot of <laughs> a lot of free publicity out of this. <laughs> but uh, no, it was. I mean, even you go down to the setup of, of the Ferrari. They knew it was going to be a high deg circuit, and they they added more downforce. They added more wing to try and protect their tires a little more. So you could see it in their strategy that they wanted to go longer. They wanted to try and preserve their tires. We obviously don't have access to the tire data um, at this point, but it was just strategy mastery by the Ferrari team, who have historically really not been strong on you know strategic decisions and gambles during the race. So it was as it was transpiring. I was thinking, Charles is going to stay out. They're, they're just they're just trying to get Red Bull to pit because their tires are holding on quite well. As it, obviously, as it transpired, clearly they weren't to know that Latifi was going to bin it. But um, I know, st- statistically speaking, he has a habit of doing that at decisive moments in races. He's 100% uh, in, the 100% in the past two days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I know. But, you know, really unfortunate for Checo, because he was clearly going to, make the undercut work it was he was going to get out ahead assuming that Leclerc was going to stop in the next lap or two but he just didn't have the opportunity to put in that fast lap to stay ahead right it was just really unfortunate timing you know Checo finished fourth as a result Yeah, I don't know if you guys saw. It was just like this one view that they showed that they showed during the race cuz like sometimes, you know, it's I know you guys have been to a race, but it's kind of hard to really see like how fast these cars are really going and then there's this one camera view. It was like right down that 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 first straight and it was Alonso when he was pulling up behind Kevin Magnussen and then pulling over to the right and getting past him and it was just like just flying down. It was so cool and that that was it was one of the cool, one of the coolest shots I've seen during the race, and then the next lap, it was like the great car dying moment when what three cars three cars died like the same lap or lap and a half. Yeah, it changed changed everything with the the cars dying, especially where they ended up, like right on the entrance to the pit lane, um, uh, and that had a, a knock on effect, obviously to to everybody. They they put in the virtual safety car. You're supposed to lap at uh what 70 percent 60 speed, i think but you, yeah like you reduce that. the speed by 40 yeah. percent. i think they, is what nev- it is. they never seem to follow those rules ever the, <laughs> i don't know how they i mean they they obviously have accurate timings of the cars going around and you will get punished but 
you know, a one or two second difference in the lap time can be could take you lap after lap to to create, and then it all disappears. Under yeah, because the there's safety one car. point at which Max went from being a second and a half back to being like five seconds back, and I think they're tracking it on the pit wall, and they say, "Hey, Max, you can actually make up two or three seconds. I think you've fallen a little too far back, so pick up the pace to get back up." There. Sure, but it was weird that it. I think it was obviously Bottas was the lap before, and he made it to the pit. Whereas uh, Ricardo and Alonso, me, uh, Alonso, Alonso. Course, yeah. um, they didn't, but they ran out of steam at exactly the same spot. So it's kind of weird. It's like, at what point in the run up to that last corner or wherever it is, is the car moving or doing something that three cars, virtually the exact same spot, have an issue? Yeah, and they were three different cars as well. It wasn't like last week, where you had the two Red Bulls with their fuel issue. That at the same point in the race, they, you know, because they hadn't done a, a race, a full race distance, and didn't realize they needed to get the last bit of fuel out. I don't know quite how it came about, but it's weird that it happened all at the same time. And that was for Lewis really, really unfortunate, by virtue of the fact that both of those cars. We're trying to get back to the pit and then we're being pushed into the pit lane when the virtual safety car came that he, I think he had a chance to come in. I think they did show a little bit of radio of, I need to go in, but there are cars there. And Yeah, Bono says, Bono says box, box, box right after he just passes the pit lane entrance. Yeah. That would have put him in. Yeah. He had a 15, I think, second gap to Ocon behind and he'd have stayed sixth. But as it was, they shut the they shut the the pit window. They shut the, the the pit lane, and obviously the virtual safety car was to move the cars that were there at the pit lane. So as soon as they were closed, you know, as soon as they were out of the way, rather, then there was no reason to have the virtual safety car. That's when they opened the pit lane again. But by then, the race could start again, and right. so he fell way back. So I think he came back out in thirteenth, managed to battle his way yeah. back up to to, uh, to score a point. But it's you know just an unfortunate scenario for him, really. Yeah, it was a real just tough weekend for him all the, all the way through. Yeah, I want to forget. At this point in the race, we get to so like I said before, it seemed like you know maybe the the top four were kind of settled into what it was going to be, but then at the end of the safety car, Max and Charles were much closer than they were before it started, and then we had we had a real battle like we did last week, Martin. Uh, yeah, I mean, un- unbelievable. Overtaking, underbreaking, retaking, uh, with DRS coming back. I didn't really understand at first what what was going on. I didn't re- the well, I understood what was going on, but the whole uh, breaking in front of the line to be behind, um, so that you could then get the DRS to overtake on the the straight. Verstappen couldn't stop himself overtaking, but then getting taken back immediately, just as Charles did in Bahrain. Um, but on that one lap, when they both lock up, it wasn't to break for the corner. They were breaking for the line <laughs> on the track yeah. to try and not be ahead. The, the corner was almost irrelevant. But it was interesting um, to see Charles seeing that Max had locked up like that. And then he just hit it. And it meant that even though he crossed that line first, Max was off the gas yeah. and couldn't get on it in time to be able to, even though he had DRS, make it to the end of the straight, making a pass on that lap. 
it's creating new ways of racing. I don't know how pure it is, you know, uh, for the for the racing fans. Maybe it's just a, a factor of the way the track is set up. Obviously, they had four DRS zones, I think, in total. Obviously, you've got a very sharp uh, corner they were coming into uh, at high speed with a long straight after it. Maybe it's just a fact that's the way it was, and we might not see that at other circuits. But it was a bit, uh, 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 it was very unusual for me. I have not seen it historically. Well, other than last year when Max Verstappen out, like, break check Lewis to, to stop him from getting to that line first. But it's, you know, it comes to what I was saying earlier. It's like, it, you know, with just as that, as that safety car line in the exit to the pit, it's where are they drawing the line for DRS? And is it, if it's yeah. in just before the braking zone to a heavy, heavy braking point into then a long straight, that's probably not the best place to put a DRS detection line. I've got, I had a thought, maybe because you got DRS, because you know you're going to have a chance to re-overtake, do you have to defend as hard when you're getting overtaken? We've seen plenty of comings together in the past, like, you know, Schumacher, I can think of a couple of times, not Mick, his dad, Michael, where he's getting overtaken and he doesn't want to give up the spot and the cars come together and that's the end of the race because they fight so hard. I mean, Verstappen and uh, Hamilton last year in Monza. It's so important. Overtaking is at such a premium historically. Now maybe it's becoming more available. Will drivers yield the position more readily, thinking I have a chance to get back? And yeah, because we'll Charles done it the last two races, and that's become maybe that's going to become more the norm. If you take away DRS, might go back the other way. It's always going to be a balancing act. Uh, maybe it was a bit too much uh, at the race this weekend, but definitely yeah, fun and to then watch as we progress through and. Uh, once that battle had sort of evolved, at what point, how many laps were left, Jason? There were, there were like three. Three when Max finally got ahead. And and Charles was coming back again. I mean, if Albon had not crashed into Stroll, Charles had another shot at yeah, a pass that, before, that, the, before the race was over. yellow flags at the first, in sector one, at the first corner, because of that coming together that, he, that right. Albon had with Stroll, meant that, Charles, at the one time that he had to try and make this, the move back, didn't have DRS to be able to do it, which, yeah, uh, you know, it's, it's another one of those, you know, an, an accident on the track that influences the race itself in terms of the leaders. Obviously, it's, you know, it's part of racing. It was, I was just hoping that he'd get by that last time so that then the last couple of laps would have been more than just Max just staying, keeping his nose ahead. And just to be able to have another couple of laps of battle would have been great to see. But up until that point, there'd been, what, five or six laps of just constant Verstappen pressure on Leclerc. And it was good, hard racing. And I know that you could see the disappointment in Charles Leclerc at the end that he didn't win, but you could see that he'd really enjoyed the race. Yeah, there was definitely some com camaraderie between the two of them. They were acknowledging each other from within the cars and then, yeah, when they got out of the cars as well. So definitely a healthy level of uh, mutual respect going on there. Yeah. Which we'll is, see how which it goes throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, the pressure's only going to ramp, yeah, up, ramp up, isn't it? Because it's a different foe. It's a different battle. It's Red Bull still in it, but it's with Ferrari and not the enemy. 
of Mercedes, right? How so, how mad do you think Lewis is right now when he hears when he hears Max say how the clean all the good clean racing and all the you know all, all following all the rules he's just doing all these little digs at Lewis trying to make it seem like Lewis is the one that was crashing into him the whole time. I know, I know, but it's all <laughs> it's all speaking up against the enemy is the you know I guess it's so. the same as with with anything right and it's all buddy buddy now because Mercedes aren't there and. Once we get seven or eight races into the season, Red Bull, Ferrari, that it's going to go the same way as Red Bull and Mercedes, right? It, they're all pally yeah. pally now, but once things get start getting sharp, and there'll be a couple of coming together over the course of the next few races, and something yeah. will break, and there'll be something that happens in a race, and it's going to go the same way as it did last year, because that's just how it's going to be when it's super competitive and the racing's really, really tight. Yeah, it's going to be great to see. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, by the end of the race, what they were half a second apart at the line. I can't remember a race where one and two have been that close together to finish the race. I mean, it's yeah. been a long time. Yeah, it's not often. It happens at Monza sometimes, just by nature of the the setup and the really, really low downforce configurations. So I think that there's been like maybe three or four years ago, there was a tight finish in Monza. But yeah, it's so much better than you know, a 10 second lead that someone's been protecting for 30 laps, right? Yeah. It's good racing. Yeah. So, uh, Alfa Romeo, they had a pretty, pretty awful day. I mean, Joe actually looked all right, but he just had, he had some, some bad luck with his car and like with a weird thing with a penalty where they didn't have the right Jack under it. And they, didn't end up serving the penalty and had to come back and do a drive through again. And so, yeah, he I, yeah. what to, happened there? I, I saw that they changed the jacks. Was that because of the thing? So or, they changed, the, it, they changed, the, they changed the jacks, but then forgot about the penalty. So they just kept going. And you, like, once you touch the car, you're no longer, you can't be serving that penalty. You have to wait. And they touched it because they got so flustered by having to change the jacks by using the wrong one that they just went with the with the pit stop and didn't serve the penalty. So then they had to do a drive through penalty after that. Oh, that sucks. So he he got penalized double for for one thing. Yeah, I, I've certainly never seen that before, and that's a real shame. Yeah. When did he finish up? Eleventh, twelfth? In eleventh, which is 11th. You know, that's oh, pretty good. Man, that's a, yeah, because that's yeah. probably the difference between a point and no point. Uh, yeah. And of course, Bottas was running in a reasonable place yeah, like uh, before he, yeah, before he finished, before his race finished. Yeah. So I think, inter- I think Alfa Romeo, they've put out a good car. They just need to string together a, a solid weekend. But they've got it in. Stay, there. stay reliable. I mean, Bottas had all those struggles through through testing. Let's let's hope it's not it's not something that's going to linger. Martin, who who are your big winners on the on the weekend? Um. Well, I'm just going to stick with the Ferraris. I mean, obviously, Max won the race, but uh, once again, the Ferraris are are a solid performance. You know, second and third, even more constructors' points. Um, Keep moving forward. You know, Red Bull hope that, you know, their screw-up in Bahrain will not hurt them when it comes to the end of the season. But the Ferraris did their job perfectly. I think their tactics were, were spot on. The way they managed the race was was spot on, and and uh, they got the result that that they deserved. So definitely giving it to them, but I'm biased. So in, in you, terms of you know. driver, you're going Leclerc. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, so yeah. I'm just biased. No, but... <laughs> I mean, Max, Max won, but Leclerc, you know, they both they both had a great race. I mean, maybe there's a sh- for for the people that are not on the podium. Did we talk about the close finish that the Lando had? Yeah, I mean, I he nearly got that Ocon. Up in my... Ocon uh, got revenge. All right, well, the, the, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> over to you, no, Nick. Uh, no, I Lando's finish. Say, Leclerc is is obviously one of the top two drivers of the day. Yeah, you know, maybe he was just cheated out of that last attempt to be able to get back at, at Max, that was kind of deprived of him by the the Albon and Stroll incident at Turn One. Um, so it would have been easy to say Leclerc as driver of the day. But then I go back and I look at, at Lando, and he was finishing really, really strong. And Esteban and Ocon were really fighting the last two laps, and Lando got ahead, and then Esteban got ahead. And then the last corner, you think back to Saudi Arabia in November, December, and Bottas out dragging Ocon to the line for the last podium spot in that race. And you could see the way that Ocon positioned his car coming out of that corner. And it felt like he parked it a little bit on the apex. And then so that Lando had to come out of the throttle a little bit so that he wouldn't be able to get the run on him. So that was a really clever bit of driving. And I think that both of them had a really strong race. But my driver of the day is Max. Mm. <laughs> Just yes. one more point on the on the land oh, one more point on the Lando uh thing. The DRS line came into play again. I think Lando was on the outside, but he just crossed the line slightly ahead of Ocon going into the last corner. So he didn't have DRS coming up the straight. So again, potentially going slower could have resulted in a faster finish and maybe yeah. would have got him, but who knows? But last but, lap uh, Lando, as he was yeah. dubbed last season, last he, lap he was up there. And to be fair, seventh <laughs> is way higher than the McLaren oh. deserves to be right now. So he, he's in a good chat. Most, improve, most, imp- most improved can, driver yeah. from last promise, week. I guess you can give him I that award for sure. I can promise that I did not have either McLaren in my Coops F1 lineup this week. That is for sure. And that uh, kind of bit me in the butt, didn't it? <laughs> Nick, have you have you looked? It did. It did. Uh, yeah, Nick, you I, I didn't at, have at either McLaren in my Coops F1 picks this week. Um, I think that well, I didn't seem I to did matter. Have some good picks. Yeah. Are you, yeah. Some good picks. You're being you're being <laughs> modest, Nick. You 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 crushed it this week in Coops F1. Obviously, the the more points you get, the better your prediction is. Your last race, two hundred and twenty-five points was the top score this week. Close to three hundred by Go Nuts. <laughs> 298 points but our own Nicka Watanen 265 points so uh, yeah so I'm, I'm moving up. number one I mean, in Coops Mates and I'm number one in Pine Sports and Coops <laughs> F1 and I think number five or six overall yeah it's not a bad start to the season so I got 225 which was tied with the high score for last week I thought I killed it and then I look and I've gone down in the leaderboard that's just the way. That's just the way it works. As we as we all work out who's faster, who's slower. The poor guys down at the bottom of the standings. They're still ha- dreaming of a Mercedes resurgence <laughs> that just isn't showing up. Um, <laughs> they still, or they didn't. They didn't change their picks. If you don't change your picks, you get the same mm. ones again. So they thought Hamilton was going to win in in Bahrain and had a repeat performance in Saudi Arabia. That didn't happen. But, Next yeah. week we've got the we got the Australian Grand Prix. We haven't had it since 2019. That was when when COVID really 
really hit and everything shut down. Do you guys have any expectations, Nick? What do you think about the uh, the upcoming race? Three years since we were last there. I always liked the Albert Park circuit. It's not really that great for overtaking because that obviously that run down to the first proper breaking point where you've seen a lot of coming together over the years, whether it be um, Martin Brundle going end over end into the gravel when cars were a lot less safe than they are now. Uh, but other than that, a couple of breaking, you know, a couple of breaking points, a couple of opp- opportunities on the lap to, to overtake. It's always thrown up some unexpected results, um, you know, unexpected podiums, unexpected points finishes. So let's see what happens this time. Maybe maybe Guang Yuzhou ends up on the podium. I don't know. <laughs> wow, that is a big shout right there. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> you can you could. <laughs> Joe on the podium. I mean, it, it doesn't have the the hard breaking like hairpins and tight corners that some of the, the, the these two tracks we've been on so far has got. It's a lot more uh, medium pace corners, um, sweeping left and right. Should be a good race. Uh, I think we've got yep. twelve days away. It's a, a week off in between. Um, we're looking forward to it. Yeah, well, we can't wait to see it, and we will be back to to review the Australian Grand Prix next time. Thank you so much for listening. This is The Undercut with Jason Martin and Nick, and we will see you next time.